Welcome to the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon. He has paid the full price for you. And your faith was what brought you into the whole thing. That you said, Jesus, I believe. With Pastor Jay Petty. Whatever God is showing you in your relationship with him, you should be teaching your family. Not by words, but by example. Join us here each week for the Living Waters Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. You belong to Him. If you believe in the atonement, if you believe in the sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross, that He is now your shepherd and He'll tend to your needs and He'll walk before you. Now let's join Pastor Jay Petty for this week's Sunday Sermon. Now the simplicity of Christianity, a little simple word, believe. It's faith from first to last. We get caught up in a lot of other things in the midst of all of it. But truly, what, what it comes down to is what you believe in your heart. If you believe the Word of God or you don't believe it. That's what moves God is faith. I'm not talking about faith this morning. I just want to talk about this before I start. That the things that we receive from God... They come because we believe. We believe that what his son has done for us, and we receive that by faith. You know, faith is the evidence of things not seen. There's no evidence to anything that you believe in the natural realm. But faith always is a heart thing. Grace precedes faith. Because grace is a word of divine influence upon the soul or the heart. So God divinely influences us to believe. So faith is erupted and we say, without any evidence of anything around us, I believe that. I believe that so much that I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. It will cause you to repent of your sins as it did cause Peter to try to walk on water. It's all the same kind of faith. You have to believe it in your heart, not your head. And I, st- I start there this morning because where we have been and where we are going comes down to believing what the Word of God says. Jehovah Rohi, or Jehovah Raha, is translated, the Lord is my shepherd. He became our shepherd by giving his life for the sheep. Therefore, this privilege is a redemptive privilege purchased by the atonement. In other words, the sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross and the shedding of his blood is what the atonement is. And in that atonement, he purchased certain things. One, he purchased his presence for your life. Two, he purchased his peace so that you could walk in it. And three, he's purchased uh, you as his sheep. And that's where we want to go this morning. We want to talk about sheep and the shepherd. In the Old Testament, that's they were kind of like no man's. They... They, uh, they were shepherds who lived in the fields. And they had flocks of sheep, and they, they protected those sheep. 
used to have a thing here called a shepherd's hook, which was to grab a wolf, twist it and break the neck of a wolf to protect the sheep. Many different things that speak to what a shepherd is, what a shepherd does. But the biggest thing you need to know about a shepherd, he protects his people. He protects his sheep. He tends to his sheep. I don't know how many of you know that if a sheep gets on its back, it can't get up. And it will suffocate to death if left there long enough. So a sheep, the sheep always need a shepherd to keep them on the pathway to which they need to walk. In other words, uh, there are so many things that can grab our lives and pull us out. It's like the, the wolf represents the enemy and he's there tempting us to, to walk away from the flock so he can isolate us to try to destroy our lives. There's so many different things that God protects us with. He's always watching. He's always there. He's always there. David said, if to the ends of the earth, it doesn't matter, you're there. If I go to hell itself, you're there. There's no place that we cannot go that God isn't already there in our lives. That's amazing because he's a present God. And that's the shepherd. Jesus is always present. Always present through the power of his spirit. Psalms 23 is where it begins. It says, the Lord, or that would be Jehovah, is my rohi. That's what he's saying. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. How many times has God had to come and restore that relationship in you? How many times have we stumbled and he's been there to pick us up? How many times have we heard him whisper in our ear, you belong to me? See, David had a real understanding of what it meant to be a shepherd because he was a shepherd from the time he was a little boy. And when he wrote this, he was writing this in his relationship with God the Father, speaking into his life. This is what God has done for me. He leads me in and out. He leads me to places where I can feed and feast upon the nourishment of my soul, of my body, of my life. I can feast on the Word of God and be nourished by the Word of God and be strengthened by the Word of God and be empowered by the Word of God. Why? Because He's my shepherd. Because He's watching over me. He's always watching over me. And as I, as I pay attention to Him, He ministers to my needs. When I say restores my soul, you know, we go through all kinds of things in life, up and downs. But he's the one steady thing in our life that never changes. He's the one thing that will always bring us back to our center if we're, if we're listening. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. 
Wow, that's a very powerful one. It's always edging us to go to that place and to walk that pathway so that we can walk in the righteousness of God. Not that we in ourselves have any righteousness, we do not. But that's not what I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to the effects of righteousness, the workings of righteousness by His Spirit in our life, urging us. Isn't that interesting? Urging us not to walk in that temptation. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, and thy rod and thy staff comfort me. I had a person who passed away the other day. And they were telling me a story about how when this person began to go, that God showed him that there were angels waiting for her death. And then he revealed later that her grandson who had died before was waiting to waiting for her also. God never, never, never forsakes his own. Even at death's door, God is present to receive us and to take us home. And I believe that's very important for us to know. No matter what point we are in our life, God is present in our life. And even though we walk through those darkened places in our life, God is there. I want to share some things with you in a little while, not today, but in, down the road here. I want to share some things to you about redemption, what that really means. It goes much deeper than any of us realized that what we've been purchased for and what Jesus purchased us in. And one of the things that he's purchased us in is this ability to walk with him, to walk before him. Not only to walk with him and to walk before him, but to empower us to live that way by faith. Those things that he purchased, he's saying, they belong to you. They're yours because I died for those very things. I died to be your shepherd. I died to lead you down the paths of life, whether it's to the death of death's doorway or it's before your enemies. I'm there and you have nothing to fear. And we worry about the littlest things. I mean, just the little things in life. Oh my God, they're going to come and take my house. Oh my God, they're going to come and take my car. Oh my gosh, it's not going to work out. Oh no, oh no, no. Oh God, where are you? Faith says, I know God is there. Faith says, I know God is going to get me through. Faith says, I know, I know that God's going to make a provision for me. That's what he's trying to teach us. He's trying to teach us. Not just that he's a present God, but no matter what your pathway is, he'll lead you through it. 
And that's what this is what that psalm is about. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you art with me. Thy rod and thy staff that they comfort me. You you prepare a table before before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall, I shall, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. You belong to Him. No matter what you face, you belong to Him. He has paid the full price for you. And your faith was what bought you into the whole thing. That you said, Jesus, I believe. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit that he's given us new life. I believe in the crucifixion. I believe that he conquered death. I believe resurrection. And he's coming back. He's coming back again. Man, I'm telling you, that, that's what it's all about right there, is believing what Jesus has done for you. And allow him to fill you with what he purchased you for. Your journey was never meant to walk alone. And it was never meant that it was something that you were supposed to overcome. It was meant to be walked by faith, believing, believing that he's there. That even in the midst of everything, he's shepherding your soul. No matter what it is. And if you listen, you'll hear his voice. The word shepherd means to tend a flock. That's what Jesus is doing for us. He's tending to us. We may not think he's doing a a great thing when we see him going one direction and we're going another. But you've got to remember... He purchased you. You didn't purchase him. And it's his job to lead you in the plan and the pathway that God has chosen for your life. And sometimes that's where we begin to have a problem with God. I don't want to go that way. And God says, yes, but... You're going to go that way, either the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> and the hard way, you know what the hard way is? It's a rough road. It means to graze. Generally to rule, by extension, as an associate with a friend. Jesus is your friend. Remember that song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. <laughs> you guys remember that song? That's older than the hills, but I remember it. <laughs> I used to sing it a lot when I was a younger guy. But he's your friend. He's not going to do anything that's going to cause harm in your life because he's your shepherd. Everything that he does, he's doing for your benefit. 
No matter what it is. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. That's the atonement right there. That's the purchase price of you and me, was that he gave his life for you and me. In other words, you've been bought with the blood of Jesus. That's what the atonement is. It is the blood, the shed blood of the cross, which is a good thing. I, I, I think that even though it was tragic of the things that Jesus went through, but he did every one of them for you and me. And what I mean by that, it was very important that God buy back what Adam gave away. And the only way he could do it, he had to do the full duty for it, not a partial duty. He had to make, he had to make it so that in every way, the enemy could not come back and have any opening to do anything else other than by your own choice. Everything Jesus did is secured. If we can walk in it, if we can, if we can live in it by faith. He is the one who purchased you. No matter what you're going through right now, there's a purchase price for it. For your sins, for your iniquities, for your transgressions, for your peace, and for your healing. It's all there. It's called the New Covenant. So he, he's the good shepherd who laid down his life. A good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he does not, uh, is not the shepherd. The one who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees from, uh, because he is a hireling. And uh, he does not care for the sheep. You ever notice that if you have a business, the one who cares about it the most is you? You can hire anybody you want, but it doesn't mean they're going to care about your, what you're doing as much as they do. And even though you might want them to, they're not going to, no matter what it is. It's funny is that when it becomes ours, and we buy in it, and we make it ours, how much more impact it has upon our life. This is what Jesus is saying. The, the shepherd, the true shepherd, is not going to sell out. He's going to pray. He's going he's to pray for his people. He's going to teach his people. He's going to tend to their needs, their hurts. He's going he's gonna to be there for them any time they need him and any time they ask. That's his job. Jesus is always there. I don't care what it is. Don't let the enemy steal from you what God 
has promised you. In your hour of darkness, I'll tell you, many times you feel all alone. And you cry out to God and you say, God, where are you? I promise you the shepherd is there. You just have to believe it. There's there's something about faith that changes everything. Just believing that God is present in the midst of my situation. I do not know what the outcome may be, but I know that he does. So I trust him. I trust him to lead me. It's like that little word, any who lacks wisdom, let him ask God. And God will give you as much as you need. But you know, you've got to believe that. And in believing, you have to stop and say, Lord, I need your wisdom in this. That's the shepherd. I've not had a time in my life when I didn't need wisdom that immediately when I cried out to God, it wasn't there. That he didn't give me the answer. That he didn't show me the answer to what I needed. He's always been there. That's the thing that we don't understand. We got God's Holy Spirit, which is God. He dwells in us. He dwells with us. He has a direct line to the throne room. And the thing is, is God hears you the moment you utter your cry. That's what the shepherd does. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and I'm known by them. As the Father knows me, even, even so, I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which is not of this fold. That's us. That was then. This is us now. Them I also must bring. And they will hear my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. Therefore my Father loved me because I lay down my life and that I will take it up again. So what he's saying, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep know me. My sheep hear me. My friends, Jesus is always speaking. We're not always listening. One of the worst places to try to hear God is when you're all tore up in a place of anxiety and worry and fear. It's hard for you to hear the voice of God through any of that. And the reason is, is because it's taking precedence in whatever you're hearing. And none of us, I don't care who we are, none of us, none of us can, can go in a place where that doesn't happen to us when we're in that place. When we're overwhelmed by what we think's going to happen, what we seems is going to happen, what we what we be, what we believe's going to happen, and no matter what God says, we couldn't hear it anyway, because that takes precedence over everything. That's why it says, "Worry about nothing, but through prayer and supplication, make your request made known to God, and the God of peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus." So, whatever is good, whatever is 
glorious, whatever is wonderful, put your mind on those things, and the God of peace will be with you. In other words, put your mind on the Word of God, what the Word of God has promised you, what the Word of God is speaking to you, and trust. I was telling somebody this morning, we never get it until our situation becomes hopeless. As long, as long as we think we can find a way around something, we're going to try. It's only when we come to a place and we begin to realize there's no hope outside of God that we really begin to look at His Word and we begin to search His Word for what His Word really says. That's when we begin to say, Lord, I see something here in your word, and this gives me hope. Isn't it amazing that in the old days, everything got healed when Jesus showed up, no matter what it was. Things just dissipated immediately when he showed up on the scene. He began to speak hope. He began to speak life. He began to speak miracles. He began to speak change. And those very things that he was speaking began to take effect in the lives of those people who were hearing. The multitudes would come and push in around him because they knew, they knew that this man was able to do unbelievable things and miracles. What has changed? God doesn't change. It's our attitude and what we think changes. So until we come to a place of hopelessness, we, we don't begin to really want to believe that God is able to do that for you or for me. Most assuredly, I say to you, he does not enter the door, the sheep's door by the door, but climbs up another way, the same as a thief, a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he brings them out, his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, and they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. That's the whole thing about all this, is knowing Jesus. Hearing, learning to hear his voice learning to know what he wants. Amazing when you hear the voice of God for the first time. It will shake you. But once you've heard it, you know whose voice that is. And every time you hear it thereafter, you know who it is who's speaking to you. Jesus is always in front of you. 
That's what the shepherd does. He, he leads. And the sheep follow. They follow where he's going. Wherever he's leading. You know. That's why it's so important to know your, your Lord, to know him, to know Jesus personally, to know, and the, and the way you know him is through the word of God and through your prayer life. You learn to hear his voice, and you learn to follow that voice, and you learn to trust in that voice. Because you begin to see, as you do, you begin to see the miraculous things that he does in your life. The things that he provides. The doorways that he opens. But you got to position yourself to follow. You have to submit to him. And say, okay, Lord... Wherever you want to go, whatever you want to do, I'm going to follow you, Lord. You show me. Light my path, Lord. Light my path with your word, Lord. Show me that pathway to walk so that I can follow hard behind you. Now, that's going to take some obedience because he may take you down a road you don't want to go. <laughs> How about that? But if you follow him, you'll find the promises true. <coughs> Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. How many people follow people? Blind leading the blind, as Jesus would say. For they do not know the voice of a stranger. Ever heard someone tell you one thing that opposed the truth, the truth that you know? What did you tell them? Hey, dude, I don't, I'm not going there with you. That's not, what the, that's not truth. And I, I am not walking after that. Because there'll be many will try to get in the become that voice to trying to lead you away from the very thing that God is trying to lead you to. Any voice that you hear should confirm what God is already speaking in your heart. It should confirm to the truth of his word that is written. It should already be there. So easy to get misled. It's so easy to hear the type of others. It's so easy to fall. And there's not a person in this room who's trying to follow Jesus hasn't done that. That's how we learn. And we realize that at that point, that that person led us the wrong way. I want to go on, but I'm going to, I'm not going to, I could go on. <laughs> but I want, I just want to bring up one last scripture. 
John 21, 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? That's probably always going to be the question in your Christian faith. Do you love God more than anything else? Is he number one to you? There are so many things that get out of order, but let me tell you the things that really get out of order is when God is not first in your life. I didn't say church. Let's not confuse the two. They're two different things. God is the one person that you worship, you pray to, you, you study about. He's the one person that has to become number one in your life if you're going to get filled up with the things that God has for you. Nothing can be sacrificed for that relationship. Not your wife, not your family, not anyone. God has to be number one. But the second person on the list has to be your family, your wife, your children. Because God has given you, as husbands, the job of ministering to your family. To your wife, to your children. I didn't say to govern, I said to minister too. As the good shepherd would minister to you. To love them, to spend time with them. To help them, to, to be that strength for them, to give them the vision and courage they need. To do whatever it is that you as a husband are supposed to do. Whatever God is showing you in your relationship with him, you should be teaching your family. Not by words, but by example. Come on. I'll just say one thing. Love means action. It doesn't mean something I say. It means something I do. And it's simple. It's simple. If we would just do it. There's no place you're ever going to go in your life if you don't put your life in order. If you don't keep it in order. Because the thing you're going to do is you're going to disrupt everything in your life. I've seen pastors destroy their families and end up in divorces because they, because they did not take care and tend to their families. That's your job. Mothers, your job is your children and your husband. Husbands, your job is your wife and your children and your relationship with God. That's where it all begins. And it just spreads out from there. Your church is your community. Your church is where you share your life with others. Your church is where you begin to build relationships with others. And you begin to cause that church to become more and more one. Because you're one with God. Because you're one with your family. Now you're becoming one with your church. We're nobody. Nobody's in this alone. I need you. You need me. 
Yeah, I know. We're afraid to let people look into our lives. Yeah, I know. We're afraid they might see something they don't like. So big deal. Be vulnerable. Reach out. Reach out and love someone. He said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Fathers, it's your job to feed your family. I'm not talking about the grocery list, though that's your job too. Fathers, it's your job to feed your family. Don't ignore me. You're the shepherd of your house. You are. God has appointed you as the shepherd of your home. You are. Mothers, you are the shepherd of your children and your husband. Feed them. Tend to them. Love them. Tend to their needs. All their needs, their emotional needs, their physical needs, their spiritual needs, whatever that need is, that is your job. Yes, Lord, you know I love you, he said to him. Feed my sheep. And he said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said, tend to my sheep. You know what it means to tend to? It means to tend to their needs. Keep them off of their backs. Anoint their wounds. Help them. Help them to get through. Fathers, help your children to have a vision for life. Give them vision that's going to cause them to rise up and do the things that God has called them to do. Don't stand in their way. Become transparent. It's not your job to decide what their life's going to become. That's God's job. It's good. It's good. He's gifted them and he's given them talents. He's given them abilities and he's done it for a purpose and a reason so that they can fulfill their destiny. Your job is to give them the vision to do that. And so many times children are held back. To live out a dream that their parents want for them. And the kid's miserable and the parent is miserable. If you just look at your children's talents, you begin to see what they're capable of doing, what God has called them to do. Tend to them. And he said to him the third time, son, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. <laughs> you already know that, Jesus. You know I love you. But Jesus is not driving. The, he's trying to drive a point home about love. 
He's trying to drive a point home. You can love me with all your heart, but you, you may never do anything for me. If you love me, then these are the things you need to do. And he says it again. Do you love me? And he said, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were young, you girded yourself and you walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you wherever you wish not to go. How many of you like want to be that, you know, I don't want no nursing home. When I die, I want to die standing up, even though I know I'm going to die in my bed. <laughs> Why do, why do I want to die standing? Because I want full cognizance of my very being so that when I die, I said, Lord says, Jesus, Jesus says, it's time, dude, let's get out of here. I'm not afraid of death. But I want to live my life to the very last breath. I'm saying to you this morning, Jesus is asking some things of you. He's asking you if you love him then feed his sheep. It's like the person who comes to you that wants to talk to you and and you don't give him anything. Maybe what you ought to do is try to feed him the word of God. You don't have to say, this is the Word of God. You just have to feed him the Word of God or her. You can counsel them. There's all kinds of things you can do to nourish others in the things of God without being. There's a gentleness. As it says, season your words at, with grace. Make them hungry for what you're feeding them for. I'm just saying this morning that Jesus is our shepherd. And begin to draw a picture of how a shepherd tends to his sheep, which we are. We're purchased by the blood for that very purpose. To hear, to follow, to move with, to know who the great shepherd really is in our lives. And that God has given you that privilege of having Jesus in your life. To lead you. You can go back through all the scripture I just told you. And it gives you a whole picture of how God, how, how the Lord Jesus works as the shepherd of our life. That's how he's going to work in your life as he does in anyone's life. And I'll tell you this much. Jesus died for that purpose 
he died on that cross for that very purpose. His blood was shed. He was wounded for that very purpose so that the trickling of his blood would purchase you as a sheep of the living God. You belong to him. If you believe, if you believe in the atonement, if you believe in the sacrifice that Jesus made at the cross, this is part of that belief that he is now your shepherd and he'll tend to your needs and he'll walk before you and he'll lead you down the path of righteousness. He will teach you the word of God. He will show you all the things that you need to know. He will lead you into places if you don't know where you can get it. Jesus will because he is your shepherd. Don't ever forget that. Jesus is your shepherd. He is. You're never alone. Never. And you're never, never, never without the wisdom of God in any situation in which you're walking. All you have to do is say, Lord, show me. Amen? Amen. So I'll stand up. There used to be a song we used to sing way back in the day. It says, to be like Jesus, this hope possesses me. In every thought and deed, this is my aim, my creed. To be like Jesus. The only way that you can be like Jesus is you're going to have to follow him. You're going to have to walk after him in your life. That's it. Takes faith. Takes faith. It takes faith. It takes believing. That's what it does. I believe that, Lord Jesus. I believe that, Lord Jesus. I believe that, Lord Jesus. Lord, I'm following after you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I'm going to give that to you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. He's the giver of all of it. Even your peace and his presence in your life is a part of what he died for. Amen? Pray with me, Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, forgive me for not following hard after you. Lord, you're my savior. You are my king. And mostly you are my shepherd. Lord, I want you to shepherd my soul. I want you to shepherd, Father God, it now. Because, Lord, I need it. I need you. Forgive me, Lord. For not listening to your voice. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you for joining us today here at the Living Waters Church in Globe, Arizona. We hope you enjoyed the message by Pastor Jay Petty. May you have a great week and may everything you do be blessed by God.